Amen. Good morning, church. There's a real reason to be excited and to be joyful. Amen. When we think of our salvation, that alone makes us happy all the way. Amen. That's a powerful song. Welcome to today's church service. I trust you had a great week. Yesterday we ended our 10-day prayer festival and we had a powerful time praying as a church corporately. It's good to have an effective prayer life individually, but better when you can pray corporately as a church family. That is such a great blessing. Um, the Bible says that one will chase a thousand, two shall chase 10,000. There is a multiplier effect when you share the responsibility of prayer with a fellow brother in Christ or sister in Christ who you have kindred spirits with. So one of the healthier practices to do is to find a Christian brother or sister you have kindred spirits with and practice the art of praying together. In the church circles, it's called prayer of agreement, like just we did for an extended period of 10 days. We practiced what was called the prayer of agreement because we were all in sync and in unison. We touched and agreed on the topic and we prayed. It's very powerful. Amen. In the corporate world, they call it synergy. You feed off my energy, I feed off your energy to bring the best of both parties to fulfill something bigger. Amen. Uh, let's get right into it with a word of prayer. Father, we thank you for this morning as we come before your word. We pray that you minister to your people this morning. Let our lives never be the same as we expose yourself to the transformative power of your word. In Jesus' name, amen. I've been thinking a lot due to the prayer topics that were going on during the course of our prayer festival. Um, I believe that one of the things that will not allow us to really pursue Christ is carnality. And carnality is when a Christian has stunted growth. Amen. And I really want to believe that um, over the past 10 days that we spent time praying, on putting to death carnality from Colossians chapter 3 verse 1 to 11. We believe that God has answered our prayer and therefore the new man in Christ that has been created in Christ Jesus will now be freely expressed without little hindrance. And like I said yesterday, this year we'll be praying a lot. I feel like we've entered into a season of prayer. That's the main emphasis into our yearly theme. Our theme for this year is the pursuit of Christ. And you can't pursue Christ without prayer. So there'll be a lot of it. Amen. This morning we are continuing our series on the book of John, the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And today is part 71. So go with me to John chapter 15, verse 1 to 2. John chapter 15, verse 1 to 2. John 15, 1 and 2. I am the true vine, my father is the vine dresser. 
verse 2. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes, that it may bear forth more fruit. Last week, we understood from this same text that Jesus is the great vine. We realized from the scripture how God had earmarked Israel as the vine, but they ended up becoming degenerates. Um, they disappointed God, and they were to be God's plan of salvation, hence the law given to them. You know, when God made a covenant with Israel, it wasn't just for them to have exclusivity to God. The point was they should know God, and then from that point, they will begin to spread God to the nations of the earth. But that never happened because Israel, they themselves found themselves in idolatry. And we realized from the scriptures last week how Israel became a disappointing vineyard. So Jesus now had to step into the picture as the grapevine. And he now became the central plan. He became the focus of God's salvation. And it's through him that we have all been saved. Amen. Every blessing or deliverance, let's say even in the case of Israel, is for the promotion and the propagation of the gospel. Try and remember that. If we fail at that or fail to see that assignment, we will be a great disappointment to God, just as Israel was. One time David was praying, and his words really caught my heart in Psalm 62, verse 1 and 2. He mentioned three things. He said, Lord, be merciful. Bless us. Cause your face to shine upon us. Why? Why would David pray that, Lord, be merciful to the nation Israel? Bless the nation Israel. Cause your face to shine over Israel. Why? What is the reason? Verse 2. That your name will be known all over the earth and salvation among all nations. So whenever we are blessed, whenever we find ourselves enjoying the kind courtesies of God, whenever we find ourselves uh, being lifted from one level to the next level, when we are uh, enjoying, you know, the, the, the sweet by and bys of, of His grace, it's for a reason. It's that His name or His way will be known and that salvation among the nations. So every blessing that we have received, if you are part of God's vineyard, is for a reason. It's for the promotion and it's for the propagation of the gospel. Now, last week we realized that Jesus is the vine. So now, what is the importance of a vine? Like I said last week, it provides sap to the branches which feed on energy. You know, the branches will feed on it as energy and nutrition to be fruitful. You know, the branches need a lot of factors, water, sunlight, and a whole lot of things. But among key that is needed is the vine sap. That's what they will take to receive nutrition. That's what they will take to receive energy. And that is what will make the branches healthy and for that matter, fruitful. Um, one thing about a vine that I didn't cover, the purpose of a vine, is that they serve as ground covers. They provide privacy and shade 
for weaker branches which are fledging in growth. So from these two purposes, these are the two main purposes of a vine. I can say from scripture that Jesus is through him that we receive everything. Like we said last week, in him we live, in him we move, in him we have our being. Jesus is our everything. We will need him to have a vibrant, lively, and fruitful spiritual life. I believe we alluded to that last week. But one thing that I want to bring to your attention is that Jesus is also our covering. Just as the vine provides shade and covering for the weaker branches that are fledging in growth, Jesus is also our covering, not a man of God. A man of God can guide you, a man of God can mentor you, and in some respects, a man of God can also father you as it relates to things of the spirit, work of the ministry, and even your Christian development. But no man of God can be your covering. Jesus is. He is the vine. And just as the vine will bring shade, just as the vine will bring covering to weaker branches that don't have that strength yet to be able to bring fruit of itself, so is Jesus. Jesus is our covering. And that is why he had to introduce himself that I am the great vine. We have to try and remember that. But now we look at verse 2. And today I'm picking up my message from verse 2. Last week we talked about Jesus, I am. And we looked at eight I am's. The last I am is, he is the great vine. And today my sub-theme that I'm ministering under is the vine dresser. The father is the vine dresser and he's painted in this picture as soon. And who is a vine dresser? In those days, a vine dresser was an agriculturalist who was involved in the daily pruning and cultivation of grapevines. So Jesus using that analogy was not strange. It was something they could all relate to and he used that to drive home a very important spiritual truth. Now, just as the vine is important to the nutrition and the health of the branches, so is the vine dresser. Him tending to the branches play a very key importance. And today, this is highlighting God our Father. Last week, we looked at Jesus the Son who is the vine who we have to be connected to to be able to experience the best of what Christianity has to offer. Now we are looking at God our Father who has been painted in the light of a vine dresser. And the vine dresser is involved in shaping the branches and priming it to such a state that it will be able to bring forth fruits unabated. Now, God our Father is also involved in shaping our lives. So today, this really explains to us the role of God our Father. What is God our Father doing? He's actively involved, daily, on the regular. He is shaping, he is pruning and chiseling our lives and, and, and making us grow into the image of his son. And how will we do that? He will do that through the word of God, through certain tests, through certain spiritual exercises 
that we'll have to take. Sometimes pleasant, sometimes unpleasant. All these things are parts. All these things are like the training matrix of the development of a Christian. So that the end goal of a Christian is that once you have gone through these things, you will be able to bring forth fruits. Now, it's very important for us to understand the work of a father who is the vine dresser and is depicted in two descriptions. Number one, takes away. Number two, prunes. So, like I said, the father is active. He is active in fruitful and unfruitful Christians. Daily. Now, let's look at the word take away. What does it mean? In fact, if you don't take care, a careful, a casual reading of John chapter 15 verse 2 may give you a very misunderstood concept. That's why, you know, to understand the Bible, one of the things you have to avoid is to assume. If you assume or you give meaning to a word, you could be in grave danger and grave error. This word, take away, in the Greek means to lift up. And one of the ancient practices of vineyard care is when there are unproductive vines in the ground, it's normally lifted up. And when it's lifted up, it is normally attached to the healthiest branch so that it will be able to bear fruit. And normally the reasons why certain branches on the ground are not able to bear enough fruit is because of the absence of sunlight. They don't get enough sunlight and sometimes there is too much crowding. So what the farmer will have to do, he will adopt a practice called grafting. Grafting is to break a branch and then attach it to the healthiest branch of the vine. And when you attach it to it by symbiosis and osmosis, it will start to produce fruits. That is one of the wonders of the plant kingdom. And that is a very common practice. Even Apostle Paul once spoke about the Gentiles. That's us. We are are Gentiles because we are non-Jews. Anybody who is a non-Jew is a Gentile. That Jesus has engrafted us. We were like wild olive trees. But we've been grafted into the vineyard of Israel. And that is why we also have a place in the kingdom. So Apostle Paul also used that terminology of grafting when it comes to olives. And that's something that the Jew and the Greeks could commonly relate to. So this scripture is really talking to us about God will not leave us. He will not cast us away when we are unfruitful. But what God will do is that he will put a task on us to raise our level of commitment so that we will be able to give birth to fruits. Some of us have been Christians for some time, but we are not fruitful. And if you are not fruitful, don't feel condemned. God is not going to condemn you. God is not going to shame you. But what God is going to task of you is to raise your level of commitment. Just as 
and fruitful branches are raised from the ground and attached to the healthiest branch. And normally the healthiest branch is the branch that has exposure to the sun. And when it is attached to it, some way, somehow, it's able to give birth to fruits. And Christian, listening to me, when I'm talking about fruit, what am I talking about? Let me narrow it down to three things. When I talk about fruit, I'm talking about your life resembling Christ. That's the first type of fruit. When I'm talking about fruit, I'm talking about the works of your hands. That is fruit. You see, you will know a believer by what they do and what they say. I'm talking about that too. And then when I talk about fruit, I'm also talking about souls. You being able to affect and change people's lives and having souls. That's also called fruit. And sometimes, many of us may have received Christ as our Lord and personal Savior, but we will be fruitless Christians. And that's a misnomer. But what God will task of us today, if we want to be fruitful, is to raise our level of commitment. God is calling us. For us to bear forth fruit, we will have to step another notch, step up another level. You see, the, the branches can just be at the ground there and be comfortable. It can be among clutter, but it will never be fruitful. It will be a fruitless branch. And for the branch to be able to have fruits, it has to be raised up, it has to be plucked, and it has to be grafted. And that's a painful process. For some of us, God may task of us. And let me tell you, God tasks everybody differently. Your level of commitment may be different from mine. For some, God will say, for you to become fruitful, spend 15 extra minutes praying. That may be a task for you. For some, God will say that for you to come to the place of fruitfulness, I want you to read a chapter a day. And that's a task. Raise your level of commitment. For some, God will say that for you to become fruitful, raise your level of commitment and employ your gifts in the ministry. That's a level of commitment. It's relative, but some way, somehow, God is going to demand commitments from us. Because until there is commitment, there is nothing that will show forth that you are a Christian. Yes, you may have said the sinner's prayer, but your life doesn't resemble a Christian because the fruit of the Spirit is absent. Your works and how you speak doesn't even show that you are a Christian. And then even your life itself cannot minister to people. You can't even mentor people into the faith. You are fruitless. And perhaps you are fruitless because you have come to the place of, I just want to have fun. I don't want to commit. And people who will just, just like to have fun, they, they will never become fruitful. People who will like to serve Christianity out of convenience than conviction will never have fruits. You are a believer, all right, but you are a fruitless believer. But thanks be to God that this morning we are learning from the scripture. The vine dresser will not cast you away, but he will task upon you to raise your level of commitment. And if you are listening to me, and if you fall in that category, 
harden not your heart. Allow the vine dresser to have his working in your life. John chapter 21 verse 15 to 19 is an interesting scripture. Jesus said, If the branch doesn't bear forth fruit, I take away. Let's look at an example of one. Peter. Peter was a disciple. Peter had done miracles before. Peter had seen Christ transfigured. And he had come to a place where he believed that Jesus is Lord. But when Jesus died, Peter backslid. He became fruitless. He went back to the world. He had become a dead branch. And now Jesus met him. And when Jesus met him and Jesus spoke to him, the Bible lets us know that Jesus performed a miracle. And that's how Peter's eyes opened and knew that, oh, it's Jesus. But when you read from verse 15 to 19, the Bible said that when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. You see, Jesus put a demand on his love. Peter, I know you love me, but raise your level of love. If you love me, why did you go back to fishing? Raise your level of commitment. Come to a place where you are saying, I am not going back. Peter at this point was a backslidden Christian. Peter at this point was a fruitless Christian. But here is Jesus calling him before he ascends, tasking upon him a level of commitment. And the commitment is loving me more than your friends. Love me more than your fishing. Love me more than your profession. Love me more than anything. And take up the cross of ministry upon yourself. It's a level of commitment. And then he tasks of him again. Feed my lambs. Do you know what it takes to feed? It's a greater level of commitment. It means you have to spend time preparing messages. I'm sure Peter, during Jesus' time, he might have preached. But he wouldn't preach a lot. Because there was Jesus. But now Jesus is stepping out of the scene. And now he's demanding of Peter. Ty, feed my lambs. You will need to pray to get away to feed the people of God. Feed my lambs. You will need to study the Bible and be in the know of the counsel of God's word. Feed my lambs. It takes price to be able to preach well. It takes a price to be able to share God's word. But that was the commitment that Jesus was demanding of Peter. He takes away. He was raising his level of commitment. He lifted him up from the ground. Peter, if you want to be fruitful, I task upon you certain demands. And then he said, do you love me? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, Tend my sheep. Oh, he moved from feeding now to tending. I don't just want you to be among the number. I want you to stand out among God's people and become a shepherd. 
That means Peter, I want your all. I don't just need your oratory skills. That's good for teaching. I also need your all. I need you to be a vessel of honor so that you can tend my sheep. I am not tasking you of love. I am not tasking you of just teaching, but I am also tasking you of your entire being. Shepherd my people. Three levels. He lifted him up. My father, divine dresser, he takes away. He doesn't take away to destroy. He lifts up our level of commitment because that is the only way we will be able to move from barrenness into fruitfulness. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Most assuredly, I say to you, when you were younger, you gathered yourself and walked where you wish. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will get you and carry you where you do not wish. This he spoke signifying by what death he will glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he said to him, follow me. It wasn't just enough. He said, Peter, I'm calling you to a lifetime of followership. I don't just want you to raise your level of love. I don't just want you to teach. I don't just want you to be a shepherd. I want you to totally immerse yourself in this thing. Because that is the only way you will move from being barren to being fruitful. And if you read Acts chapter 2, no wonder Peter, when he preached the first day, 3,000 people got saved. He takes away the fruits that are unfruitful. The fruits that look spoiled. And he attaches them to a healthy branch that they will give birth. And when you look at the vine dresser who is God our Father, he raises our level of commitment just to attach us to Jesus. That's it. Because it is through him that we will be able to give birth to more fruits. It's through him that people will know that of a true fear Christian. It's through him that people will look at your works, your deeds, the speech that comes out of your mouth, that people will know you're a Christian. It is through him that people will come to know Christ. What are we doing for Christ? Are we fruitful? If we are not fruitful, God is calling us this morning to raise our level of commitment that we can put ourselves in a prime posture. Because, ladies and gentlemen, listen. When Christ comes back again, he's coming for fruits. But until he comes, he will prime us in every position possible so that we will not remain barren. And that is the mercy of God. The second action of the vine dresser is pruning. And pruning is a figurative expression of cleaning or cleansing. When a vine is left to itself, it produces a good deal of unproductive growth. That's why you need the vine dresser 
constantly to cultivate the vine. Because one of the things that happens is that it gives birth to dead wood. And dead wood can harbor decay and disease and destroy the vine. God, our vine dresser, removes dead wood from our lives so that we can give birth to more fruits. So, God is not just happy that we have fruits. He wants us to give birth to more fruits. So maybe you are listening to this message and you will say, oh, I am not unfruitful. I have fruits. But I'm here to tell you, God is tasking upon you this morning to give birth to more fruits. To the unfruitful, he is calling them, be fruitful. To the fruitful, he is saying, more fruits. It's a task. It's a heavy message. He's calling upon us, more fruits. Oh, thank God that you have conquered lies. But conquer quick tempered. Thank God that you have conquered quick temper. But conquer ill discipline. Thank God that you have conquered ill discipline. By conquer unforgiveness. At each and every level of our life, our life should be able to resemble Christ. That's fruits. Our speech and our deeds should be indicative of Christ living in us. And if we have won three souls, great. God wants us to win six souls. More fruits. God is demanding more fruits. There is more. All that there is, is not all that there is. There is more. And sometimes the price that we will have to pay is to allow the vine dresser to chip away the dead wood and the unwanted parts of our life that we have held on to. Yes, you have fruits. But can you imagine if, if you allow the vine dressers working to chip away all the deadness, all, all the filth, all the clog? You will give birth to more. For some of us, we can give birth to a thousand, but we've given birth to 500. And we have settled. And the reason why we have settled is because we have certain impurities, certain clogs that we don't want to get rid of. Even with your clogs, you have 500. Can you imagine if you were a whole sanctified, cleansed vessel unto the Lord, what you can do? And one of the examples I think of is in Acts chapter 16, verse 1 to 5. Whenever I read that story, I become a bit confused. The reason why I become a bit confused is Paul performed an action on Timothy. That really baffled my mind. I, I read that scripture and I'm like, Paul, you are, you, you are accused of double standard. If there was one guy who really understood the grace of God and knew creation realities, it was Apostle Paul. If there was anybody that hated legalism and hated the law to its core, it was Apostle Paul. But when you read Acts chapter 16, verse 1 to 5, the Bible lets us know that they went to a place at Lystra and Iconium, and Paul took Timothy with him. But 
Timothy could not be of service to the people there because Timothy was a Jew by maternal lineage but a Greek by paternal lineage. Do you understand? His father was Greek. His mother was Jew. And in the Jewish custom, they normally tend to the patrilineal side. So if, if it was the other way, if his father was Jew and his mother was Greek, Timothy would have been seen as a Jew. But because his mother was Jew and his father was Greek, they would rather turn to the father's side and they would paint his nationality so he was Greek. But here was Peter, here was, um, I'm sorry, Timothy in the temple with the folks and he couldn't minister. But Apostle Paul performed an act which he had preached against several times. The Bible lets us know that he took Timothy because of the Jews and circumcised Timothy. Now, look at what happened in verse 4 to verse 5. And as they went through the cities, they delivered to them the decrees to keep, which were determined by the apostles and elders at Jerusalem. So the churches were strengthened in the faith and increased in numbers daily. You see, there was a price to pay for church growth. There was a price to pay for the church to be strong. Timothy, even though his mother was a Jew and he wasn't seen fully as a Jew, for him to be accepted among Jewish people, he had to practice the route of Jewish people. And that was something that Paul had preached heavily against. Read Paul's letters in Romans, Galatians. He had preached heavily against. But for me, the action I get out of this is a spiritual symbolism. That at every level that you reach, in your Christian work, in ministry, in whatever endeavor, God is going to demand things that is going to be of pain. No, pain is the devil. Stop praying against your adversary. Stop praying against your adversity. Because sometimes adversity comes from God to be able to mature you enough so that you will be primed in that posture to have more fruits. You see, Timothy and Paul, they had fruits. They were in the ministry. But to have more fruits, for numbers to be increased, blood had to be shed. And when I'm talking about blood, I'm not talking about literal blood for you per se. What I'm talking about is a sacrifice. It's a sacrifice. For some of us, we have fruits, but God is calling upon us to bring back more fruits. More fruits. I want more fruits. So both processes in fruitful and unfruitful Christians are painful. The unfruitful Christian is to raise his level of commitment. The fruitful Christian to be able to give birth to more fruit has to subject himself to the Father's chipping. Oh, I pray that may we submit to the vine dresser. This morning, don't harden your heart against the actions of the vine dresser. He's working in your life. It seems very unpleasant. Maybe you are unfruitful and you need to be fruitful. 
Maybe you are fruitful and you need to be more fruitful. There is no resting here. So you can't say, I'm fruitful. He is unfruitful. Well, if you are fruitful, God is tasking upon you to give birth to more fruit. Resemble more of Christ each and every day. Let your actions, let your speech resemble more of Christ each and every waking day. Mentor people. Influence people. Influence people in your society. Influence people among your friends and family. Influence people among your workplace. He's demanding more. Influence your community. Be fruitful. That is Christianity. Christ declared that he's our vine because he wanted us to live a lively, vibrant, and spiritually fruitful life. But it doesn't just end there. We are also in the hands of the vine dresser who is God. And it is God that will determine the amount of fruit we can truly give birth to. And for that to happen, we will have to submit to his ways, submit to his methods, submit to his action. For some, God is calling on you to increase your devotion to the things of God rather than chase for money. It's a painful ask. It's a painful ask. For some, God wants you to get up a particular hour and pray a certain duration, but the pleasure of sleep is luring you to backsliding. It's a painful ask. For some, God has made a strong impression upon you to quit that secret sin. Nobody knows of that sin. Nobody knows of that sin. You have done very well to hide it, fortify it, and nourish it. Nobody knows of that sin. It's not harming everybody. It is between you and God. You know that God is calling you to give it up. You might be crying because of the temporary pleasure. But is it worth following temporary pleasures that you will become barren? Is it worth it following temporary pleasures that your life will not resemble Christ? Is it worth following temporary pleasures that you will become a branch that doesn't have roots? Do you know what Jesus did to a fruit one day? The Bible says that he went to a fruit. Mark chapter 11, Mark chapter 12. The Bible says he went to a tree to go and eat of his fruit. And when he went and there was nothing, he just cast it. And what that means is that there is going to be judgment at the end of the age for anybody who professed himself to be a Christian yet didn't give birth to fruits worthy of repentance. Surprised to pay for it. Matthew chapter 7, you read it. The Bible says that by their fruits you will know them. There are some people who will say, Lord, Lord, we did many things, but they don't have the corresponding fruits to back their profession. And sometimes, certain things that we don't want to give up is what is causing that. Today, the vine dresser is arresting our attention. Allow me to work. You know, a vine dresser always has a scalpel or a knife to cut branches and to cut things. Allow the vine dresser to work. Quit that sin. Quit it. You will be crying because of the temporary pleasure. But it's worth it. For some of us, God is making a strong impression. I want you to respond to the call. 
your gift that you have, how are you going to use your gift to be a blessing to the church, to be a blessing to your community, to be a blessing to humanity? God is asking. Today, God is tasking upon us the vine dresser. For some of us, we have to move from unfruitfulness to fruitfulness. For some of us, we have to move from fruitfulness to more fruitfulness. It all comes at a price. The next level of every Christian's growth gets uncomfortable and sometimes hard. But most times, God, our vine dresser, is at work, chipping away the unwanted parts and the dead wood, which is clogging us up and affecting our fruits. When, I, when you go to the gym, you see fat people. Like, wow, how? I thought you go to the gym to become so. So why are they fat people there? Because the gym is designed in such a way that when you get comfortable at a particular level, you have to raise your pain threshold. That's how gym becomes a blessing to you. So let's say you start running at 50. The first time you ran at 50, you were panting. You were panting like a rabbit. And now within three weeks, you have been able to run at 50. You shouldn't continue running at 50 at the treadmill. You have to increase your pain threshold. That's what gym is about. But if you go to the gym, and because you can do 50 with ease, and you keep doing 50, you didn't go for a workout. You didn't go for a workout. The idea of gym is always to raise your pain threshold. You are able to bench press 200. It was a struggle, but now you are bench pressing 200 with ease. You should change the weight and move it to 250, where you will feel the burn in your arms. That is how growth occurs. That is how a bicep or a tricep develops. And I'm telling you, ladies and gentlemen, if you and I want to come to that place of great blessing, whereby we have more fruits in our lives, there is an uncomfortable price to pay. And I'm not going to sugarcoat this message. It's an uncomfortable price to pay. It's an uncomfortable ask. But God is asking of us tonight, this morning, I'm sorry. Don't resist the work of the vine dresser. In God our Father, who is preparing us to be fruitful branches in his vineyard. On this first Sunday of March, God is sounding the clarion call through me to allow the master's vine dressing to go on in our lives uninterrupted. Jesus is the vine. Our father is the vine dresser. He takes away the unfruitful so that they will become fruitful. He prunes the fruitful so that they will become more fruitful. Let's pray and get ready for communion. I've delivered your words to your people, O oh Lord. Thank you, Jesus. May we pay that price. May we pay that price. May we surrender to that work. May we surrender. It causes tears. For, for some of us, we have to quit that negative habit. For some of us, we have to quit that sin that easily besets us. For some of us, we have to give away certain pleasures. For, certain, for some of us, we have to give away certain associations. For some of us, just like Peter, God wants us to raise our level of love. We will pay that price. 
In Jesus' name, amen. Let's get ready for communion.